for this, the 24th Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament lesson from the third chapter of Exodus, verses 1 through 15. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, and yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and a broad land to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. 
When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, Say to this people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is the word of the Lord. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson from the second chapter of Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and who exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you remember, not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm. Hold to the traditions that you were taught by us either by our spoken word or by our letter. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God the Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. This is the word of the Lord. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 20th chapter. There came to Jesus some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died without children, and the second and the third took her, and likewise all seven left no children and died. And afterward the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as wife. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die any more because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, and now he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. And then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any questions. This is the gospel of our Lord. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the
Grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text this morning is from the Gospel reading Luke the 20th chapter, these words of our Lord. Where it says that Jesus said to the Sadducees who questioned him regarding the resurrection, he said that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. This is our text, dear friends, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we considered the saints of God, all his saints, on that All Saints Sunday. Both those gone before us in the faith and those of us yet still going on toward our heavenly home. Beginning next week, our attention is directed to the crowning glory of all his saints that longed for a second coming of Christ. This week, the week in between the two, his saints below, we, his saints below, consider words that very much apply to the in-between. Between the depths of our struggle as his saints pressing on here below and the heights of that promised return to come, well, today we consider what our Lord does not intend for his pilgrim saints to forget as they make their way to our heavenly home. He intends us not to forget that our God is the God of the living. That's food for the journey, especially when the journey's long and we grow weary. And so today, that's what we consider, that our God is and that he always will be the God of the living, and that makes us the living. But not everyone sees it that way. Consider those Sadducees we heard about in the text, the Sadducees. We meet them again today. In fact, we see them often in our readings. But who exactly were these Sadducees? Well, ancient Hebrew documents tell us that this political party of the Sadducees was a rather exclusive faction of aristocratic priests. Rather aloof, ivory tower theologians of their day. That's who they were. The group is thought to have derived its name Sadducees from either one of two high priests named Zadok, Zadokis, hence Sadducees, or perhaps from the Hebrew word Sadak, which means righteous. Sadakis, Sadducees. It's interesting. Contrary to the, their frequent appearances together in the scriptures, the Sadducees didn't like much the Pharisees. They didn't like them very much because they disagreed with them on rather fundamental doctrinal points. They didn't like each other very much, but they hated Christ more. So that's why we often find them in league against Christ, often in the scriptures. It's supposed of the Sadducees that, that the group had risen to its popular heights in those decades around the time of Christ's earthly ministry here below. But then with the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, the group seems to have vanished from history. Those Sadducees. Well, the Sadducees may have vanished, but their beliefs certainly have not. You ever heard someone deny the supernatural, like angels and, and spirits? Well, the Sadducees did. You ever known someone who's lived by and perhaps sadly has died in the belief that there's nothing after this life, that death ends it all? There's no afterlife of which to speak. Well, the Sadducees said the same. 
Have you never heard someone dismiss as little more than wishful thinking the belief in and, and our expectation of the resurrection of these bodies of ours? Well, the Sadducees dismissed that as well. The Sadducees, they may be long gone, but their beliefs are still alive and well and shared by so many today. That's why our Lord's response to their charge is so contemporary today and, every, and, in, and in every age. His answer rings still just as true. And what about that answer? Well, Luke's gentle. Luke's gentle and he leaves out our Lord's direct response to them. He picks up quickly with the rest of our Lord's argument considering the fact that Moses in the Old Testament even wrote of the resurrection and life everlasting, calling the Lord the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. But Matthew doesn't leave out our Lord's stinging response to the charge. Matthew tells us that Jesus fired right back at those who denied the resurrection. And he said, you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. You know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Make no mistake, there are those. There are those who regard very little the promised resurrection of the scriptures and the power of God to do what he's promised. There are those, like Lady Anne Grimston. Maybe you've heard of her. Lady Anne Grimston of two in England, her, her tomb is famous these days. You see, Lady Grimston didn't believe in the resurrection or life everlasting. You might, see she, you might say that she was a Sadducee at heart. When she lay dying in her palatial home, she said to have remarked to a friend, I'll live again as surely as a tree will grow out of my body. Well, Lady Grimston died and was buried in a marble tomb. And the grave was, was marked by a large marble slab and then it was surrounded by an iron railing. Years later, though, the heavy marble slab was found to have moved a bit. And then it cracked. And through the crack... A small sprout sprang up, and the sprout grew into a sapling, and the sapling into a tree, and the tree continued to grow, tilting the stone and breaking the marble masonry. Until today, this tree, growing from her grave, has surrounded the tomb with its roots and has torn the railing out of the ground with its massive trunks, four trunks in all to this tree. This unlikely tree, this unexpected tree, at Lady Grimston's grave, it's said to be one of the largest trees in all of England. There will be those like Lady Grimston who dismiss the scriptures, but friends, it makes the scriptures no less true. There will be and there are those who dismiss their promises, but it makes them no less sure. And there are and will be those who deny the power and the future potential of that God-implanted seed in each one of us, but friends, that won't stop it from sprouting. A seed planted in us at baptism and a seed tenderly nurtured by our Lord through our regular use, as we are here today, our regular use of his nutrient word and his seed-sustaining supper, a seed that thrives in the light of his Son, a seed that will break through the grave, just give it some time, it will break through the grave and will exceed all of our expectations, but know 
that like Sadducee, Lady Grimston, until the last day there will be those who dismiss the promise of our Lord and His power to fulfill it. Many will, but friends, let's be sure that we don't. And by God's grace, we won't. But we all know, we all know how the troubles of the everyday now can take our minds off Scripture's promise, promised tomorrow, and all the potential lying latent there in faith's seed, all our glory to come. We know it so easily happens that, that when the troubles of today, and they're very grave troubles, many of them of today, when these troubles of today are on our minds, they naturally consume our thoughts, and when they occupy our minds, so often the promises of our Lord don't occupy our minds. Isn't that how it happens? So often our, His promises don't occupy our, our minds, but let's not, friends, let's not forget those promises. His promises of help for today and His promises regarding our glorious destiny for tomorrow. And let's not forget His power to fulfill those promises and His word that He will, for it's in these times, these troubling times in our lives. It's in these times when faith needs those promises most remember. Think about it. There's someone here today, perhaps you, who recently received news that he didn't want to hear. And it changes things. Perhaps news from an employer or from a doctor, whatever. You receive that news and now you stand at the foot of a real uphill climb. And frankly, it's hard to say, it's still too early perhaps to say how things are going to turn out this time. It's in these times that we need to, that faith needs to remember those promises of our Lord and His power to fulfill them. Or there's the person who's still yet waiting to hear from that doctor and hear what he has to say, painfully. Painfully waiting on those test results for them to be returned. And maybe that person's you and he stands at a fork in life's road, staring at two very different paths that lie ahead, not yet knowing which one will be a part of his life story. It's at these times that faith needs to remember the promises of our God and His power to fulfill them. Or there's the soldier. As we are here on this Veterans Day, there's the soldier who spends his days and sleepless nights in a hot combat zone, much like Lieutenant Colonel Tim Small has for the last year. And we thank God that he's been returned home safely. Soldiers like him, like many of you veterans who did in times past, spending days and nights daily working amid the ever-present reminder from the gunshots and the bomb blasts that this minute could be here your last on earth. In these times, then, Oh, to remember the promises of our Lord and His power to fulfill them. Or there are those soldiers who don't return home as safe and, and intact. Soldiers like Staff Sergeant Jason Inman, husband of, of member Kaylin Hyman Inman. Soldiers who proudly wear the purple heart like he does now. And rightly so, but, but that purple heart, because... Wearing because of his injury, that purple heart has not the power to restore a hand or a limb lost. But oh, for all those wounded and those badly maimed who now have to live life 
in, in the difficulties of the everyday to remember the resurrection promises of our Lord and his power to fulfill them. There's someone here today and maybe it's you who's grown weary of fighting the faithful fight. Or there's someone here today, perhaps it's you who not long ago buried a loved one or a friend. At these times, friends, at these times, these are the times that we need to, that faith needs to remember those promises of our Lord and His power to fulfill them. Those promises, that's the breath. That's the breath in our spiritual lungs. It's the wind in the sails of faith. That's what keeps us Christians pushing on ahead when the journey's wearing. The assurance that our Lord gives that contrary to all the claims made, the assurance that this world and this life is not at all all there is. And Christ himself tells you that in the text for today. He says the dead will be raised. There is more to it. There is life everlasting. Life without bad news from a doctor. Life without anxious thoughts awaiting Test results, life without soldiers in harm's way, life without tearful eyes. At the loss of a dear one, it sounds wonderful, it sounds too good to be true, but Christ says it's true. He says it's true. As he tells us today in our text, remember what he says in the resurrection of the faithful and in that life to come. He says, as we heard in the gospel reading today, those faithful raised in the resurrection, they cannot die. Literally in the Greek it says they have not the ability to die. Wonderful news for us here today and as we press on. And this promise he wants you to be sure of, so sure of, that note this well, that many prophets before him inspired by the Holy Spirit, they gave you the same resurrection promise. And many apostles after our Lord, equally inspired by the Holy Spirit, delivered that same promise to you, but our Lord felt it of highest importance that you hear this promise from his own lips. So he gives it to you today in the text. He himself in the text promises it to you. He says, look forward to that resurrection to come. In the text, he promises it to you. And in his empty tomb, he guarantees it to you. That testament of truth, of that life to come, of our being alive in Christ... That testament of truth would so often hang in the form of a banner at the back of the church in San Pablo where I used to serve. Pictured on that banner were, were the word and the sacraments, an open book of, of the Holy Scriptures, and a shell of, of baptism and the chalice of Holy Communion. These instruments of God's grace that keep us connected to Christ by delivering to us the forgiveness of sins and that life won for us on the cross, that life he delivers to us in these means of grace. And so these instruments on this banner, they were pictured. And at the base of, of the artwork of this bird and, and of the sacraments was this scriptural promise from Romans 6. It said, alive in Christ. And that banner would be called upon often to hang there in the back of the church and proclaim that that truth, but I think perhaps that banner proclaiming that promise never spoke so loudly and maybe was never heard so clearly as when it would dutifully hang there for funeral services. And as the casket of that redeemed one of God would pass by, 
And the family would follow. It would, re- it would remind each of those who saw it hanging there. Each of us, it would remind that those in Christ are, el- are alive in Christ. Those of us who remain in Christ are alive in Christ though the, because though they die, like Abraham and like Isaac and like Jacob before us, though they die, though we will die, yet we shall remain alive in Christ. And that banner and its scriptural promise is for us today a reminder too that no matter how feeble we might feel and we might be in this life, our God, our God is the God of the living. And that means we are the living. Let's never think that the bodily frame is a picture of the spiritual life within. It never works out that way. And in fact, it's so often exactly the opposite. Even when our minds and our bodies would be so disordered, perhaps even dying, we live. We may limp and we may hobble or shuffle or wobble up to his sacramental table, but into these bodies of decay, friends, is placed and into these bodies of decay is poured life undiminished. In our ears and our eyes, they may be less able to hear and less able to see His spoken and His written word, far less able than they used to be, but into these failing ears and eyes, friends, He sends His word of spiritual life unfading. Friends, though outwardly decaying, inwardly we beam, and inwardly we brim with His life. For our God is not a God of the dead, But he is and always will be a God of the living. And that means we are the living. The God of the living. That's who he is. That's who he is and in Christ. That's who we, the living, are. And who we always will be. In his holy name. Amen.
Jesus Christ, our Lord, you have redeemed us from sin's grip, that you freed us from death's hold, and that you've destroyed the power of the evil one. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Preserve your church by your word and sacraments that she may stand in the face of the deceiver who seeks her overthrow. Enable us to stand firm and to hold fast to the doctrines and the scriptural traditions which have been taught us that through them we would know and celebrate your grace until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
Sustain us during our days in this world. Provide us with the basic necessities of life, with good government and dedicated civil servants, with productive and innovative business and honest industry, with an educational system that prepares youth to be responsible adults in the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Work your healing miracles in our day through the hands of physicians and medical professionals and the medications and procedures of every kind that your will for the length of our days in this world would be accomplished. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Strengthen those weakened by chronic illnesses, especially your sons Paul and Chris, Robert, Dick, and your daughter Elsie, and others among us. Bless those undergoing treatments, Dennis and Allie, and others. Be with those preparing for surgery and those recovering from it, especially your daughter Ginny, who with husband John is grateful for the surgery's success. Be with and bless the spouses and the families of those here named that they may have the daily strength to help and to encourage their loved ones in their time of need. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Be the comfort of the dying, that they may know that you are the God of the living, and that even as our flesh fails us, you are preparing us for the day when it shall be gloriously raised from the dead to claim with our souls the eternal life to which you've called us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Receive the gratitude of your people for the safe return of soldier sons. With your servants, Vic and Carol, we praise and thank you for preserving their son, Tim, during his tour of duty in Iraq and returning him safely home. And as on this Veterans Day, we think of so many who have given their life or limb for the defense of our freedoms. We give you thanks, and we pray that their families would know the heartfelt gratitude of a nation so richly blessed by the sacrifice of so many. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the homebound and the lonely, that they may not be forgotten. For the abused and for the troubled of mind, that they may find help and peace in you. For the truly needy, that they would be provided for. For those preparing to give birth, that they would be ready to deliver the life they have nurtured for so long. For the families of your people, that sustained by family love and faith, they may endure the destroying winds of our troubled times. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. With grateful hearts that you are indeed the God of the living, even those who have gone before us, and now live eternally in your presence, we commend our prayers and our bodies and our souls to your care and to your gracious keeping. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, 
and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your covenants, may be righteous in your sight, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and divide with you all. Amen. Amen.